Welcome to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego Kyle on behalf of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, I discuss sustainable impact investing, how to create portfolios that match your values, and a variety of other topics such as financial education, environmental sustainability, social justice, and sustainable food systems. Do you want to know if your investments seek the kind of accountability from corporations that you demand? Listen in as I explore the burning question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Kim, how are you? I am good. You know, we have a sunny day here in Oregon. <laughs> oh, there's like five of them all year. You know, right. Five all year. And um, one of them is today. So nice. it's nice. nice. And you're inside podcasting. Right. Right. And I was thinking <laughs> I really wanted to be outside doing some work, cleaning up the garden, but that's, you know, it'll happen. It'll happen later. when it happens. Yeah. It'll, it'll happen later. You have a guest on the show. and I and, do. And Andy is way more important than gardening at this point, in my, in my opinion. Well, yeah, of course. Andy is uh, um, really amazing. If you um, know any of his background, if our listeners do, he is currently the CEO of As You Sow, and I believe he's been there since 2010. He's also the author of Shareholder Action Guide, which I'm sure we will mention at some point, and one thing I really love is that he's a past board member of US CIF, which I am a current mm-hmm. board member for. So it's kind of nice uh, to have that uh, connection. Andy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I have so many questions I want to ask you. So Andy Behar, welcome to the podcast and let's jump in. Sounds good. Um, yeah. So I want to start out uh, talking about how you came to be a part of As You Sow. What was that story? So As You Sow was founded 30 years ago in 1992 by uh, Thomas Van Dyke, who runs the SRI Wealth Group at Royal Bank of Canada. And Tom's been doing social, socially responsible investing for, oh my God, 40 years now. So I, I knew Tom back in 1980. Um, at that point, I was actually a filmmaker. And uh, I met Tom through a mutual friend. And he wanted to close the Indian Point nuclear reactor, which is north of Manhattan. And so I helped him make uh, TV ads and radio spots and things, do, doing media. We stayed friends throughout our lives and I moved to San Francisco in uh, 2008 and just had lunch with Tom. And he was just saying, you know, how is this nonprofit that you started going? And he said, you know, it's it's doing well, but you know, it needs like a strategic plan. And I said, you know, I've been doing a lot of work. I had shifted from filmmaking to doing startups. I had written many business plans and started quite a few companies. I said, you want me to have a look at it? And he said, sure. So I did. I just was smitten with the theory of change. It resonated with literally every cell in my body just said, this is the way you make change in the world. And so uh, they actually gave me a, a couple of months to write a strategic plan. And I wrote the first strategic plan for As You Sow. It had grown for 18 years without a plan. Wow. And, and then the board asked me to stay on to execute the plan. And so that's what I've been doing. Oh, that is so interesting. I love that you were a filmmaker and that is how you got connected. And um, I love your comment about you were smitten with change. And how that works, I'm I'm going to use that. <laughs> so sure. well, um, it's interesting because you know, in just in my 
life, like not in my career, I had uh, run a precinct. I'd gotten involved with Big Green in California. Um, uh -huh. I moved from New York to California and had, we had three small sons. They were just little kids and Big Green was on the ballot. And I ended up being a ballot, a precinct captain for two precincts in California. And so I really, you know, going door to door, talking to people about environmental issues really was, was very powerful to me. And um, and then we moved to a little town called Ojai, which is in Southern California near Santa Barbara. Yes. And there were a company called Waste Management, a big corporation, wanted to build a toxic waste dump right in the mouth of the valley, right on top of, of a low-income community. And of so course. my wife and I and a, some of our friends in Ojai, um, we rallied the community to actually fight this. And over five years, we fought this big company and we won. They did not build the dump. They did not destroy all these people's lives, as well as, you know, the the toxic fumes from this dump site would have come up the valley to where we lived. So I got involved with this, this major fight with a comp with a corporation. And that's what As You So does, is we right. work with corporations to get them to understand the risks that they're taking and to shift their policies and practices. So when I saw that this is the theory of change. It just it just resonated with me really strongly. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Your your background and how you got started is similar to a lot of people. One, we kind of fall into it by almost by accident, and two, you were really focused on this community, um, uh, you know, uh, problem that was down there in Ojai and and trying to figure out a solution for that. So community organizing and in the social investment arena kind of all fits. So I want to ask you some questions about how, uh, as you so focuses on, on issues, it looked to me like there are seven primary areas that as you so foundation focuses on. Can Correct. you share those? Yeah. Can you share this with us? In a so know, concisely, I guess, briefly. <laughs> sure. The, uh, so the way we're, we're structured is we have different program areas. That's really to develop issue expertise. So the first one is energy. And within that, we have climate change. And within that, we work with big oil, utilities, pipelines, oil field services, banks, uh, insurance companies. So all of the infrastructure that is around energy production extraction. Uh, the next group is environmental health, mostly focused on toxins in the food system. So we focus there on pesticides, things like glyphosate, which they spray on all of our food right before they harvest it, um, antibiotics in meat, PFAs and other toxic chemicals that, that are in the food system. The third one is called circular economy, and it's really about the elimination of single-use plastics and particularly looking at ocean plastics, because so many of those end up in the ocean. Those are That's really our environmental group. The social group has um, racial justice, diversity, equity, inclusion, and excessive exec executive compensation, so CEO pay. And that also, part of it is also worker, worker rights, but so the social group is doing that. The seventh one is it's different because it's not an issue area. It's really an analysis, a, build, a tool that we built called Invest Your Values. And you can find it at investyourvalues.org. And what we do is we analyze 3,000 mutual funds mm -hmm. and looking at what's inside of them. Nobody knows what's inside a mutual fund. And all of us right. are invested, especially in our 401k plans, 
right. we're invested in thousands of companies and no one has any idea what they're actually invested in. So we identify all the fossil fuels, the deforestation, the weapons, the private prisons, gender inequality for your this... funds. And then we aggregate them up for 401k plans and 403b plans so for retirement right. plans. So you're giving this to the retirement plans. Is it also available for the general public to see what's in their mutual fund if they own? Absolutely. It's all, it's really designed for the general public to do an analysis of what's inside their own investments. And the idea is to try to help people to align their investing with their values. If you don't know how you're invested, it's very hard to get aligned. Uh, and yes. we stumbled into this actually in 2015. We had been working on the divest fossil fuel uh, movement. We'd been training organizers and putting them on student campuses to get school endowments to divest from big fossil fuel companies. And we created a, a signature, a, a you know, you could you could pledge that you're going to divest from fossil fuels. And of course, you know, we were part of writing it, so we signed it. And I remember coming back to my office and I'm like, I wonder what's in my 401k plan. I had oh. noticed. And so I spent two weeks trying to figure it out and I couldn't. It's simply not available information. You go read, I was reading prospectus and all you can see is the top 10 holdings, but right. it's, a, you know, but it's a Russell 1000 fund. What, what about the other, you know, thousand companies? So uh, one of our staff, he was a kind of a, on the side, he was a coder and he wrote some code to scrape the holdings, to do this analysis. And that became fossil free funds in 2015. That was, it was initially just the, as you so 401k plan. And then we brought it to all the staff and said, this is what we're invested in. And everybody was like, we're what? We, we're filing resolutions with half of the companies in there. Right. And so we called up our financial advisor and said, we got to switch. And he said, you can't. So we said, you're fired. <laughs> and we hired another one. And uh, within two to three months, we had a completely new 401k plan that was aligned with our values. And everybody felt really good. And it was even uh, in terms of financial returns, it was even better than we had. So yeah. So then we started well, to share that, that tool and then it started to expand and we added deforestation and private prisons and things like that. This is a great tool for any listener of the, this uh, podcast, as well as business owners who are providing 401k plans, they need to be focusing on this and paying attention because just as you said, nobody knows what's in their 401k. And so. what's, what's remarkable is when you start to aggregate them up, for instance, you look at Amazon, they do some good stuff on climate. They're buying a hundred thousand electric vehicles, but right. everyone who works at Amazon owns companies burning down the Amazon. <laughs> and so we pointed this out. We, we did a lot of advertising, directed advertising on LinkedIn to Amazon employees. And they were all like, we're what? And they'd click on the picture of, you know, animals with a forest on fire. And they'd come to this site that would show them all of what's inside. Mm -hmm. um, we talked to the company. So we sent the company a letter, senior management, and they, we had a meeting and basically they said, we're not going to change anything. We just don't care. We said, but you're totally out of alignment with yourself. And they said, we don't care. So we filed a shareholder resolution, which is a way of escalating a conversation. And it gets filed six months before the annual meeting. And that went to a vote. And that's a lot of what As You So does. We engage companies when needed. We escalate to file resolutions. And last year, we filed 99 resolutions uh, coming out of 196 
engagement. So we sat oh. down 196 companies, 97 of them said, great. We love what you guys are saying. We love the research you're bringing us. We want to go make change. 99 of them didn't. So we filed resolutions. And once we filed the resolution, the company didn't want all their shareholders to read about it and vote. So 56 of them agreed to our terms and we withdrew. The rest of them went to a vote and we had 10 majority votes, including a 91% vote at Boeing, a 96 at Caterpillar, um, and a 41% uh, average vote. And about two, a little over $2 trillion were voted yes on our resolutions. Andy, so can you believe the difference in these votes that we're seeing now from 20 years ago? It's amazing the the percentage of yes votes that are happening in in our direction. It's phenomenal. Shareholders are realizing how much power they have. And that's what my book is about. It's about the incredible amount of power shareholders have. And most people abdicate their power before they realize they even have power. Mm -hmm. And people are waking up to this. This is what we, a lot of what we do is about educating people to just it's your money. You earned it. And therefore, it should have an impact on the world to create a world that you want to live in. I mean, right, right. now, most mutual funds, you know, people, you're putting away four or 5% of every paycheck for your retirement, but it's being invested so that when it comes time to retire, there won't be a livable planet. Yeah. And you let people know, why are you investing against your own, uh, you know, just, just your own values? And they go, yeah. I am. Uh, we did a similar thing with Comcast. Uh, Comcast is based in Philadelphia, 15,000 employees there, the number one city for um, for, for mass incarceration, for incarceration. Mm. And they are invested in private prisons. So all these people are going to work, putting away their, you know, their, their money for their retirement. And yet they are investing in, they're profiting from mass incarceration and private prisons. When they know that, they don't want to do that. And so they go, no. they look to their company and say, you, you, we have no options here. At Comcast, they have zero options. If you wanted to not invest with your private prison, you simply cannot participate in the retirement plan. Mm. But everybody wants the match. And so they, they, they're they forced to do it. And so it's a company forcing their opinion upon, uh, upon their employees. And that's just simply not a democratic way of allowing people to have free speech with their right. money. Right. And that's an interesting way to look at it. And, you know, we need to take as investors, take back our power and pay attention to what's in our, our portfolios. And I, I, I agree with you. A lot of people are starting to be more proactive in this area. Um, and organizations like As You Sow are a big part of that. I, I have sent probably, I don't know how many people to As You Sow. I talk about it all the time when I speak about shareholder resolution filing and if people want to know kind of a snippet of what's going on, this is a great place to look is your website and your statistics are phenomenal. Um, really whittling it down to starting this conversation, um, companies agreeing, companies not agreeing. And then as we all know, they don't want the um, bad publicity. So then they will acquiesce and agree after you file the resolution. It's, it's, it's a, there's, there's a nuance there. You see, yeah. we, we, when we engage a company, we send them a letter. We say, hi, we're shareholders. 
we have found a material risk in our policies and practices because we own the company, the board reports to us. And so we have a responsibility. We're part of the team. And we sit shoulder to shoulder with them on the same side of the table. And we go, look, here's our data on racial justice. You guys are scoring uh, you know, 11 and your direct competitors scoring 17. Here's how you could get to a 17, become competitive. This is what it's going to cost you. This is, or cost us, this is the return on the investment. And here's the risk of doing nothing. And most of the time, the companies go, wow, thank you. You guys are like McKinsey for free. This is this is great. Let's go get this done. Because by, by doing this, by being able to have metrics that make sense, that, that you can measure something, um, they can improve their culture. They can They can improve their attractiveness to the best and the brightest talent and retain that talent. So it's it's just really a win-win. And we don't see ourselves as, uh, you know, in any way, like kind of head-to-head with the company. It's very, very cooperative. Now, sometimes a company says, we're not going to be able to do that. We're not going to be able to make that change. So we say, well, we think it's really important. And so that's when we escalate and file a shareholder mm-hmm. resolution. Because that's then great. we basically we want to educate all the other shareholders and get them to weigh in and vote and express themselves to the board to say, we really think this is important. Excellent. And this is a lot of research that you start out with before you even send a letter then, because you're really calculating their potential return on investment if they make these changes. So how many staff do you have? Just out of curiosity. So we have grown, um, we've grown in the last four years. Uh, we're now at 34. and. So we've expanded out both on a lot of those are in the climate area because we're now our goal is to to engage every public company to get every one of them to reduce their uh, their emissions by five percent a year over the next 10 years. So we have a team that's just so much research, so many interactions, hundreds of companies, as well as racial justice has expanded because we now cover um, a thousand companies in our research. And this year we're going to be expanding to 3,000. So, oh my gosh. Yes, yeah, so we're expanding the coverage considerably. Uh, Invest Your Values, which is 3,000 mutual funds and ETFs, will be doubling to 6,000 this year. So we have a lot of research going on. We have our ninth uh, CEO pay report, the 100 most overpaid CEOs of the S&P 500. That will be coming out in on February 16th. Uh, and again, this nine years of doing that. Uh, our Clean 200 report comes out the week after. Uh, in February, and that's looking at uh, the 200 top uh, clean tech companies in terms of the revenue generated from clean and green activities. Uh, We are also this year going to have a pesticide report. That'll be the third one. We do those every two years and a plastics report. We do those every two years. So yeah, we're doing a lot I'm ex- of research. I'm exhausted just listening to you. <laughs> so, and and I, I want listeners to know that um, they can go to the website at asyouso.org and there is a, a page with reports on it so they can see see these as you're you're publishing them. And, and many of them have what we call a data visualization tool. So you can click on that and you can actually overlay multiple companies. So you can see a company and its competitors and instantly you'll, graphically you'll see how why one is outperforming the other. Um, and the other thing that we've done is, and this is a, a report, if you look under the reports page, there's one, it's about EEO1s, Equal Employment Opportunity. Um, 
these are forms that every company that does work with the federal government has to fill out. They're required. So every company's filling them out anyway. Um, and so we're asking as shareholders, we need you to disclose these to your shareholders. There's been a lot of shareholder resolutions around this. Uh, New York City's probably filed 200 requests for these over the years. <laughs> We've filed dozens. But in any case, um, about a year ago, there were 277 and we gathered them all. Uh, and we worked with a company called Diverse IQ, who actually scraped them all and cleaned them up. We worked with two PhD um, at Cal, and we analyzed the data. It's always been anecdotal. People have always said, you know, if you have more diversity, you're probably going to outperform. Well, we actually looked at the data, and we spent months crunching it, looking at it. And this report shows you 14 financial metrics that companies with greater diversity outperform um, their their peers, outperform their competition. It's just, it's there, it's it's in the data and we intend to maintain this. So that, that's gonna be an ongoing piece of work that we're gonna be doing. Uh, Andy, I took a look at this uh, report that you were just speaking of and it's phenomenal. And I'm glad that you're gonna be continuing to do that. And it sounds like you're just expanding to a lot of different areas and and focus and sharing information and this is this is what we need as investors we need this information i would like to talk just briefly too about your um expected although you've started a resolution filing for 2023 what do you see as your main focus areas so the the largest one is climate we're filing um, I, you know, I don't know the exact, I know we have 92 resolutions filed as of today. And I think we're filing more this week because the, the bulk of them get filed in the November, December timeframe right. annual meetings that are in the May, June timeframe, but there are annual meetings happening all the time. So, um, yeah, so we have 92 filed. And, uh, so a big chunk of them are these climate ones that are asking companies to reduce their emissions by 5% right. a year over the next 10 years and report back to their shareholders annually. There's a whole bunch that are about diversity, equity, inclusion. These are simply asking companies to disclose recruitment, retention, and promotion data parsed by every protected class, so gender, race, mm -hmm. ethnicity, et cetera, uh, because that's a level of detail that you don't get in the EEO one. Mm, true. So, uh, you can't see if there's a gender promotion gap. In other words, uh, we know from from data from um, that, that that we've seen that women and men entering the workforce at entry level, by the time they get to a senior vice president level, it's 88% men. So there's a, not only is there a pay gap for women, but there's a promotion gap for women. You can't see that in the EEO one, but you could see it if you get this more granular data. So we're asking uh, probably 20 companies to disclose. And I can tell you, I signed three withdrawal agreements this week of companies that agreed to our terms and are going to be um, be disclosing. Yay. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, racial justice companies, we want them to actually just build a robust racial justice program and implement it. Not only what they say, who says it, but what they do. And we score them 20% for what they say, 80% for what they do, but also looking at environmental justice issues. And so that one is, um, most companies agree to the terms. There's only, I think, two or three that are going to go to a vote mm. so you know the majority of companies go yeah of course this makes total sense right pesticides i think we're just there's just one 
because uh, the big ones, Kellogg, General Mills, they're all in the process now of shifting to regenerative ag and eliminating pre-harvest glyphosate. Uh, that's a big issue for us. We, as I mentioned before, we spray our, our food, our wheat, oats, and beans with a chemical called Roundup. It's technical name is glyphosate. It's a known carcinogen. It's a known reproductive toxicant and it's an endocrine disruptor. We sprayed on all of our food. And so Kellogg has said, we're going to stop doing that. And they've been, they've told their supply chain, we're going to stop doing that. And so is General Mills, Pepsi, all those ones, everybody's coming in and saying, you know, 10 years ago, nobody sprayed this at all. It, and why are we suddenly doing it? I mean, for 10,000 years, we have harvested crops without having to spray carcinogens on them. Um, Just so before I, we send them off for people to consume, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and I know you probably saw just yesterday, the FDA came out with lead levels for baby food. Uh, that's another area that we work in, which is lead in the food system. And we actually do some litigation on that as well. We, we've we we've been litigating with... Uh, it's actually how As You So was, was formed. I sort of didn't touch on this in the opening question, uh, but As You So was actually formed to be a plaintiff in what are called Prop 65 cases. Prop uh-huh. 65 was a 1986 ballot proposition in California that enabled anyone to bring file what's called a 60-day notice on a company that had known carcinogens and reproductive toxicants in their consumer products. So As You So was the plaintiff uh, you know, stuff like formaldehyde and toluene and nail polish, uh, you know, just like lead in children's toys. Uh, just we, we filed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these. And right now we're involved with uh, an interesting one right now. So we've been testing medical food, like when you're in the hospital, if they're in a, in a feeding tube formula. Oh, my gosh. So full of lead and cadmium. That and and also if you're for preemies, babies, infants are getting all this lead, and it's that absolutely has an impact on learning learning ability, learning to right. All of the companies are, have now agreed to reformulate, and so uh-huh. we're in the process now of so we also do do litigation in that regard. Well, as a consumer, I'm really happy to hear a lot of this work that you're doing. It's very very helpful. Um, um, just I, I interrupted yeah. myself. No, uh, you no. One of the resolutions this year. The, the other group is a consumer uh, consumer packaging, so plastics. Mm, yes. And in particular, you know, for instance, Amazon. You know, sometimes you, you know, if you get stuff from Amazon, you get a package that's all 100% recyclable. It's made from recycled content. When you take your thing out of it, you can put it in the recycling bin. And then other times you get bubble wrap, and right. you just go, "What is going on here?" And Amazon could literally just change that overnight. And there's billions of packages. So we're working on Amazon. We're working on all of the the companies that use the most plastic to simply reduce demand. We do not need it. It's it's an unnecessary product. And that has an impact on the feedstocks. So the natural gas, fracked gas and oil, which is how you make plastic. So it'll reduce demand for that. It'll also reduce the need for additional petrochemical plants. There's 120 petrochemical plants that are, that are in line to be built that are simply not needed and they will become stranded assets. So we're working on that whole kind of vortex of petrochem plastics that then get disposed in the ocean because, you know, they just want single use 
means you can have to produce more. So, right. Um, let me interrupt you just for a quick second, because I, I want to go back to your comment about stranded assets. I don't know if all of my listeners understand what a stranded asset is in relationship to big oil. Can sure. you explain that? Sure. So this is the idea of what's on the balance sheet of a company is considered an asset. This is actually based on the work of a guy named Mark Campanelli at Carbon Tracker back in 2012. Uh, he's brilliant. And, uh, and he wrote this paper called The Carbon Bubble. And what it said was, if you look at the, at the annual reports of the 200 biggest oil, gas, and coal companies, and you look at on their balance sheets, what they say is the reserves they have underground, that's considered an asset. We've got X number of millions of barrels of oil. It's worth X on the market. Therefore, the value of our company is Y. Well, if you were to extract all those barrels and all that coal, um, all those cubic feet of gas and burn it, we'd be at six degrees centigrade. It would be game over. Right. And we'd so, all be gone. Yeah, exactly. What And so what the report postulated is, well, if that's the case, what is the real commercial value of these assets? And essentially what it showed was that there was about a $20 trillion bubble in the markets because only maybe a quarter of what was underground and considered an asset would ever be extracted and decommercialized. So all the oil companies were way overvalued. And that idea, we took that, turned into a shareholder resolution. We, you know, we called up Mark, we got to know him. And we filed the first stranded asset resolution. Uh, and that became a whole work. And we, we started with console and then next year console, Exxon, Chevron, Anadarko, Hess. Um, and, but that whole, the, the concept of the finance, of climate finance, like how is climate change going to affect the financial well being of the whole oil sector, the, like the whole energy sector? Um, that's really what that piece of work, Mark's work, gave birth to. And Carbon Tracker still produces amazing work. They're producing, I don't know, 10, 20 reports a year. I've lost track. Uh, but but that's a stranded asset. It's an asset that's on your books, but it's really not an asset because you'll never, you know, never actually commercialize it. So in this case, you've got Exxon and Chevron. They're planning to build a new petrochemical plant. They're about to invest CapEx or capital expenditure. They're about to invest billions of dollars building these giant plants in the middle of Cancer Alley, right next to, uh, you know, low-income communities. Of course, yeah. But no one's ever going to use them because the demand for plastics is going down. It's it's like they haven't acknowledged if like the refineries for oil are going to be refining more gasoline, but China, India, California, the base of the whole world is turning to electric vehicles. No one's going to want any gasoline. Right. Why build a new plant? That will become a stranded asset because you've invested billions and billions you will never get the billions out. And so you'll have to write it down one day. So, right. so that, I, that's the idea is. Um, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I was just, when you were talking, I was thinking, wow, um, with uh, Horizons investment firm, if, if we could add our potential client assets that we would get in the future, it, it would be an amazing growth, right? That we would be expecting, but it doesn't work that way. 
We don't get to do that. So we have so many things we could talk about, Andy, and I think we're starting to run out of time. I want to ask uh, one more thing about, uh, you have a, a link on your page to uh, climate inflation. And I love this um, this graphic that you see, and it says, why does my cereal cost so much? And you're really talking about the effects of climate on the cost of our food systems. So can you tell us a little bit about this and how this came about? This particular. So it, yeah, it struck us as odd that no one ever talked about climate inflation and even more odd that climateinflation.com and .org, the URL was available. It's, <laughs> it's not in the public consciousness that when you have floods and droughts and things where you have fewer commodities, you're going to have less supply. So prices will go up. So an example would be, why is my cereal cost so much? You got less, you know, wheat or oats or whatever. Um, it's just going to cause the price to go up. Uh, and it, it, a really good example is actually cotton. So Pakistan had these massive floods, climate-induced floods. They produced zero cotton last year, and in fact, they it was the floods were so great they couldn't plant their spring wheat either. Oh. Simultaneously, Texas had a drought, and they lost about forty percent of their cotton. And so, what happens is. You know, you look at companies, apparel companies, and the question is, what's what's going to happen here? The ones who are looking at it, who are using environmental, social, and governance uh, risk assessments, they're doing risk assessments, they're looking at their supply chain and going, this is going to be hard for us to get the raw commodities we need to make our socks and shirts. So the prices are probably going to go up. We need to we need to you know plan for that. And this actually came up. Interestingly, I was doing a radio show on a conservative radio show, a very, uh, very, they were anti-ESG. And we can talk a little bit about that whole wow. thing. They were, Good. And they said to me, they said, you know, ESG causes inflation. And the, the <laughs> commentator and I said, okay, like, what do you mean? ESG is a framework for assessing risk. Like, do you think that a weight scale causes things to be too heavy or a, a ruler causes things to be too long. What are you saying here? And we got into this whole thing, but but he was absolutely firmly convinced because he'd heard it on Fox News that, that somehow ESG was involved with inflation. And so we said, you know, I don't think people are clear that there's this thing called supply and demand, that big climate droughts, storms, that sort of thing reduces the amount of commodities because it's wiping out all kinds of different farms. And let's see if we can find that, that connection. And so that's why we started this. And we're still doing a lot of analysis. We're actually working with some economists to, to say, you know, how does this flow? What how does this affect inflation? How does this affect supply, demand on a global scale? So that's it's great. A work, it's a work in progress. It was an idea that came out of essentially a um a talking point from Fox News that we wanted to actually get into some depth on. That's great. You go for it. I can't wait to see how this, uh, this, the rest of this report comes out. Well, Andy, are there any last uh, comments you'd like to make? I mean, we should just touch on the anti-ESG, uh, this loud, very, very vocal few people who are creating 
the idea that ESG is somehow bad um, and somehow, you know, that that there's a lot of folks who are doing this and that they've managed to weaponize the red state legislatures. There's been, mm. uh, you know, in the last 27 days since the beginning of the year, you have 34 bills across many, many states. Texas passed a law called uh, SB 13 that made it so the state could not do business with banks and asset managers that they deemed to be anti-oil. And they sent these questionnaires to these banks. And if they believed climate change was real, if they voted for an as-you-so resolution, they would be boycotted. They literally were put on a blacklist. And yeah, it sounds like the McCarthy era. And I don't right? yeah. mean Kevin. Um, <laughs> so, and so they're on this blacklist. And what's happened is, well, Texas because they they can no longer bid their bonds, their municipal bonds, the citizens of Texas had to pay an extra $500 million in bonds. Six other states that did a similar, that passed similar legislation, $700 million in additional costs on bonds. They're wow. moving their pension funds away from diversified uh, portfolios into oil only portfolios, which is very, very dangerous to be in a themed portfolio and not diversified. Right. So, so we're looking at all this and, and the legislation that's coming out is uh, the one that came out for Oklahoma this week was really interesting because it went even another step saying you were not allowed to talk about ESG. And we Oh, my gosh. I did not attorneys. know this. Yeah, I didn't know this yeah. one. This is that's insane. Well, what he said is he said it's he, so. So the legislation said you can't talk about ESG. And so the, our attorney said, well, that's like trying to legislate or legislating that no one in Oklahoma can talk about basketball. So we wrote an opinion piece this morning that came out that said, uh, if this law is passed, in order to actually put it into action, Oklahoma is going to have to close 183 Walmarts because they use diversity, equity, inclusion as part of their training and as part of their employee selection. They're going to have to close the Department of Defense. They have a war college. It's a big part of Oklahoma University because the Department of Defense says that climate change is one of the number one strategic um, you know, threats to the United States. And they're probably going to and they're going to have to get rid of the Oklahoma Thunder basketball team because the NBA clearly uses ESG metrics as well as diversity, equity, inclusion. So, you know, well done, <laughs> legislators. You're right. Good job. Your constituents um, because you're going to have to close all the Walmarts and kick out the DOD and the thunder. Right. And how's the that going to go? <laughs> don't have any idea that their legislators are just doing this political theater at the expense of the constituents. Yeah. And I'm sure some of those legislators don't even know the extent of what they're doing. Well, Andy, thank you so much for being on. And I want to remind our listeners that if you are interested in taking a look at what's in your portfolio, you can go to um, Andy's uh, website there and, and look at those, those pieces. In, of Investorvalues.org. Yes. And, and yes. as you know, by the way, is as you S O W dot O R G, because when you hear it on, on the radio or on a, a podcast, you might think it's a different spelling. Right. That's perfect. Um, thank you so much. And, and also listeners, if you want to get more access to your current portfolios and see what's in them and how you can be more sustainable, please give Johan Klassen at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services a call at um, 505-982-9661 or email 
info at horizonssfs.com. Well, Eric, I know we threw a lot out here. Um, any questions before we close? No, no questions, but I am going to bring it back to the, how you guys started this podcast. Yeah. And, and Kim, that was a statement that you made um, when you guys were talking about how you guys got into what you do and how Andy started with what he's doing. And you said, you know, like most of us, we just fall into it, right? You, you kind mm. of fell into this situation yeah. and, and learning more and more and doing something about it. And what ran through my head immediately was, well, you saw a need and you filled a need. Excellent. And yes. I think that that's needs to be the takeaway from this podcast is that there are tremendous needs for people to be advocates. There are tremendous needs for people to pay attention, wake up a bit and see what's actually going on and take a look around. And since there is that need, I just want to ask the audience to fill a need. I mean, it's, it, it is that yeah. simple I think, in my mind. Right. And we're happy to help you with that too. And I just, one last thought, I, I was thinking that whenever I have a guest who's as knowledgeable as you are, Andy, um, I know it's going to be a really good conversation and a good podcast. And today was no exception. So thank you so much for your inspiring words and your, your conversation and all that you do. My, you. my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And Annie, I'm just echoing that thank you uh, that Kim just said. And of course, listener, uh, you can find the link uh, to Andy's information in the show notes. So take a look at that. Kim, thank you. Thank you for facilitating this. Again, yeah. I like the fact that you didn't know something today. He, he <laughs> told you something you hadn't heard before. I'm like, okay, now we're all learning something. <laughs> right? Isn't that great? Well, I don't know everything. I'm not going to. Oh, you're pretty close. So uh, again, Kim, thank you so much for this platform and doing what you're doing. And our last thank you always goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. We humbly ask you to share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle, the sustainable, responsible, impact investing podcast reminding you that it's time to invest like you give a damn. If you have questions about this podcast or topics you'd like to hear addressed on an upcoming podcast, please email me at kim at griego-kyle.com. That's G-R-I-E-G-O hyphen K-I-E-L dot com. Or give Horizons a call at 505-982-9661 and be sure to ask for Johan Klassen. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available and to share this podcast with colleagues, friends, and family. The companies I may speak about during the podcast are not recommendations for investment. Only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you. Kimberly Griego-Kyle produces this podcast on behalf of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. is a registered investment advisor registered with the SEC. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc.
This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. None of this content may be used or duplicated without the express written agreement of the podcast host.